0: Okay, uh, Andrew and I, we're, uh, we're running on fumes right now. We just got done reliving really our glory days in youth ministry. We, uh, we got invited out to help at a, at a youth retreat this weekend. Uh, they wanted me to play guitar and sing and preach. No, uh, no, no. Reverse that, reverse that. Uh, no, we went out there, uh, we got to go out to Premont and just be a part of uh, just a fun weekend. getting we to work with uh, LifeGate Church, got to see some great things going on. Uh, but man, yeah, we're, we got back last night around midnight and we are like, well, I'll see you in about five hours to go pick up the trailer and do set up and get ready. So it, it's good to be here though. Um, man, we love you guys, like we love the church, we love what we get to do, and so it's actually been, it was at that retreat a year ago, and uh, at the time they just, uh, they didn't know about me, they just asked Andrew to come and play bass, because uh, one of his former interns uh, has now become a worship leader out there at that church, and uh, they were kind of asking Andrew what was going on, I oh, you guys are starting a new church, and Andrew was telling them about this. You know, church that we are getting ready to start on Easter called Revival. And uh, they said, hey, we want to pray over you guys. We want to pray, like, just, you know, blessing and what God's going to do through your church. So it was kind of cool. A year later, uh, they invited him back and myself this time around. And, uh, you know, we got to share some stories about what's been going on with our church and how God's been moving and working. Uh, and it's just kind of cool to see, like, full circle in a year what God has been doing since that time when He first started to to birth this idea of this church and what this family needs. So it's been fun. It's been exciting. Uh, it was good to hear those guys. It was encouraging this weekend. Uh, but yeah, here we go. We're gonna jump back into Corinthians. Uh, this is my fourth sermon of the weekend, so we'll see what I got left. In fact, you know what? Let, let's start out with prayer because I need Him right now. I'm, I'm I'm shot. I'm tired. I got nothing left. Let's let Him speak this morning. Holy Spirit, we just pray that in your word, we know it's living and active. And we pray that as we open it up, that you would speak directly to us, each and every one of us in here, what we need to hear this morning. Uh, There's someone in here today that needs to know that you love them. Uh, There's someone in here right now that doesn't believe that. They believe that uh, they're unloved. love. And God, you came down in the flesh. The word became flesh. And you put yourself on that cross. You gave yourself up for that person, for each and every one of us in here because you love them. God, help us to celebrate that and move and walk in that and believe that as we go forward today and throughout the rest of our lives to know that we're loved by you. And God, as we open up your church, help us to hear your voice speaking directly to each and every one of us in here. In prayer, amen. First Corinthians. Chapter 4. Here's what God has for us this week. So look at Apollos and me. And once again, if you've been gone, if you missed it, you can catch up, you can find us on YouTube, go through some of these first ones. But Paul's talking to this church in Corinth. And he keeps kind of using himself, and this other uh, preacher, this other teacher named Apollos, as this example, he keeps bringing it up. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. I I told you last week uh, that that word servant, it's like a waiter in that culture. It's somebody that is serving up the food. They're not the chef. They didn't cook the food. They are serving the food. God, he's the chef. He's the bread of life. He gives us what we need. He uses us as his servants in the church to go and serve up the bread of life, the living water, to people that are dying of thirst and hunger in this world. I was just at camp where I saw kids that were dying of thirst and hunger. They they had looked to fill that thirst and that hunger in their lives from the world. The world and its desires pass away. The man who does the will of God lives forever. Know that, 1 John 2, 15-17. We keep trying to feed off what the world is offering us. It's not real food. It's junk food. Like, if you're trying to live off potato chips the rest of your life, are you going to be healthy? No. Like, that's not real food, but that, that's what the world is offering. It looks good, right? Like, like, they gave Andrew and I this little basket for helping out of, like, food and goodies and you know, there's a bag of, like, barbecue potato chips. And Andrew's just digging in, stuck in his face. Like, oh, this is so good. I haven't had barbecue chips in so long. Like, you know, I'm just kind of like food shaming. like, it's not very so healthy, but Like, <laughs> that's protein. Protein's good for you. That's protein. <laughs> so <laughs> but that's what the world does. I'm oh, sorry, man. I are the bus out there. Oh, man. I don't know. I repent. I repent. I'm sorry. All right. That's what the world does, though. They offer junk food. And it looks good, and it tastes good, but man, it does not lead to life. It is not fulfilling, it is not sustaining. And so what he does, he says, hey, you're my servants, I need you to bring the people the only thing that can feed them, the bread of life, the living water that will satisfy their thirst." That's what we're doing. Church, this isn't just... Andrew, Lee, Nate. this is just the pastors that are doing this. We are all called to be ministers of the gospel. We're all called to be servants. All we are, we're the lead servants. And you're going to see that as we read through this chapter. The pastors, that's who we imitate in the way they serve, in the way they love. And so for us, our goal is we're going to try to pour ourselves out in every area of life because we know that if the church begins to imitate that, because all we're doing is just imitating Jesus. That's all we're doing. When we serve, when we try to love selfishly, all we're doing is trying to imitate Jesus. And, and so you see that. Paul says that, hey, imitate me. okay? imitate me as I imitate Jesus? That's all we're trying to do. Create a culture where we are all about loving and serving and imitating the life of Jesus pouring ourselves out in bringing the bread of life and the living water into a world that is dying first. Right? I saw it. There were kids that were, they have been living off that junk food all their lives. And they're finally finding something that actually sustained them this week. They're finally finding a meal that they can eat and drink from and find life. That's all we are. We are servants of the gospel. He uses that word. Uh, We have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. It it is a mystery. His word. But the more we dig into truth, the more we begin to read it in its fullness, we begin to understand the mysteries and we help unpack the mysteries for people. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. We must be faithful in how we walk and how we live and how we believe Jesus uh, When I was thinking about this verse, and I was also thinking about this example, as uh, as I was preaching on Friday night, I started thinking about, man, what if you, like, anybody got, like, a, a Honda Civic in here, or a, know, a little car, a little Honda coupe, yeah? Like, have you ever taken that thing off-roading? Have you ever taken a Honda Civic off-roading? No, no, right? Like, you don't do that, right? So I, I question you know in this room full of high schoolers and one high schooler shot his hand up. He was like, yeah, I took my Honda Civic off-roading. I was like, really? How did that turn out? And he just was like, not good, not good. Like terror. They're not built for off-road. They're not. And, and so if you take a, a little Honda Civic and you go off-roading and you're trying to you know do what a Jeep can do and you're trying to drive up mountains or doing crazy stuff and you shouldn't be going a Honda Civic, you're going to come back to the main roads, you're going to come back into the city, and you're going to notice like, your car doesn't sound rare, right. Like It's not working right, Something's not functioning right, this is bad. And so what are you going to do, uh, what are you going to do to fix the problem? Uh, I, most of us, uh, you know, would our initial reaction be, oh, I just need a car wash? No, <laughs> that's not going to fix it. What if I get a paint job? No, that's not going to fix it. What if I get my windows tinted? No. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Those are all stupid ideas. That's not going to fix the problem. Those are external solutions for internal problems. And so what you're going to do is you're going to take it to a mechanic, right? Because he can look at it, and he can diagnose it, and he can say, here's what's wrong, and he can tell you, hey, I know know what this thing was built for. This is not what it was built for. This isn't what it was designed for. But guess what? We can fix it. And and guess what? I I can show you... uh, I can show you what you the roads you should be driving on. I, I've got the map, and I've got the manual. I've, I, I've got it all right here. I can show you how to fix your problem. You're trying to fix it externally? It's an internal issue, and it can only be fixed internally. We do that in life. We have an internal issue, but we try to fix it externally. We have spiritual problems. We, we have issues inside of us going on and we keep trying to solve it externally. We keep trying to solve it with the solutions of the world. Oh, I'm lonely? Well, sex or porn, that's the answer to that. Uh, I don't feel good about myself. Well, uh, Maybe if I just, if I go and do some of these things that the, the world says, if I can just look like this or if I can, you know, portray this image and I can get the likes on social media or I can get the reputation or if I can earn enough money, Then I'll start to feel better about myself. Those are external solutions for an internal problem. The world can't fix what's broken inside of us. But he's given us us the map and the manual for how to fix what is broken. He's given us the map to show us the, the roads that we can drive on. Okay, that we were designed to drive within. Sometimes we think, man, his law, his statutes, you know, everything in his word, it's outdated, it's burdensome, and, and it's, I, I don't want to live that way. I want to live like the world. But that's like taking a Honda Civic up a mountain. <laughs> you weren't designed for those roads. You were designed to stay in the path that he's created for you. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Now when you when you start to walk in his truth and walk in the way he created you to walk in this world, it's a better way to walk. And so for us as managers or uh, as his servants, that's all we're doing as the church. All we're doing, it, we're the mechanic. But we've been looking at the manual. We've been studying the maps. We we can help you understand, hey, man, this is what it looks like to walk through life the way he designed you to walk through life. That's what your pastors are. And, And then for our church, we want you to go and do that for others. We want you to imitate what we're doing here and to go and show others there's a better way to live in this world. You don't have to live like the rest of the world. Because when you start to follow the path and the math and the manual that he's designed for you, there's freedom in that. And people start to realize, man, living in the world, living with these external solutions to our internal problems, it's actually slavery to the world. We think we're free, but we're not free. These things that we get entrapped by in the world, they own us and they enslave us and we live in chains to them. But in the spirit... By his word, we walk by truth and we live in freedom because of Jesus. Verse 3. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. That's a good one. Like, I, I mean, even Paul himself, like, hey, Paul's just saying, as for me, and that is very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. If I tried to live for your approval, I wouldn't last very long as a pastor. I really wouldn't. And if I tried to live in that, trying to get the approval of men over the approval of God, I would not last long. And I wouldn't say half the things that I've said this past year. Because I, I would want people to like me. I, 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 I like when people like me. I don't want people to not like me. But at the same time, I, I want God to like me and approve of what I'm doing more than I want you to approve of what I'm doing. And so there's words that we're going to speak here in this church sometimes, and people are going to hear things and be like, I don't I like that. Sorry. But he, this is what his word says. I care more about his approval than yours. I love you. I love the church. I love the bread of Christ. And because of that, that, that compels me to speak truth. Because he, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. It's really easy to keep the peace. Right? And just stay silent and not say anything. When when there's a fight in your family, when there's an argument coming on, and can just sense it like, oh man, that you know, that Republican uncle is talking to that Democrat aunt of yours, and you just mellow down, am just gonna get ugly and just I'm gonna keep peace, so I'm gonna stay out of it. No, I'm not gonna say anything. Blessed are peacemakers. That means sometimes we have to have difficult conversations. That means sometimes We have to step in to the conflict to help make peace where there is no peace. Peacekeeping, that's just living a lie. That's living a false self. Because you're just staying quiet to try to keep the peace, but that's not solving any of the problems that are going on. That's not fixing the internal issues that are at work. So Paul here, he says, I, I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. I'll, I'll tell you the same thing. I don't trust my own judgment either. I'm right there with Paul. There's a lot of things uh, in this past year I, I look at it as I've tried to lead this church. And I said, I don't know. You know, I mean I I might be way off on this, I, I could be wrong. And so I, I try to continually go to God's word and see are, are we lined up with truth first and foremost. And then I try to find people in my life that are a few steps ahead of me that I can go to and say, hey, you know, we're kind of going through this as a church or we're talking about this or we're looking at this. What does that look like? How have you guys dealt with that? What does that look like to walk through this? Because I do want to do my best to discern, man, what is the wise thing to do? I think that's one of the best questions we can ask in our lives. What's the wise thing to do? When it lines up with scripture, you know you're walking in wisdom. You know you're walking in truth. Walk in that. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord Himself who will examine me and decide. I, I think that you know at the end, you know, that's really all that matters. Someday we're we'll all going to stand before him and he will examine us and he'll decide. You know, he'll be like, man, you got some of this right here way off over here. But in but the end, man. Thank goodness we're covered by the grace of Jesus. It's like all we can do right now is dig into the truth of God's word and try to follow him one day at a time as faithfully and as wisely as we can. Step into that. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. That's really reassuring, right? That's what you want right. Wow, our darkest secrets—they're all gonna come to light. Like, wow, I, that's not what any of us want to hear. But actually, when you start to think about it, when you think about the hurt and the pain you've experienced, man, it's all gonna come to light someday, and, and there will be justice that comes along with it. And so, I—I I, I would tell you, man, the, the people that have hurt you most and pray for them. Pray for your enemies. And I, I, I don't know what Judgment Day is gonna look like, but we need Jesus, because justice is coming. And for those that we have hurt, man, repent and apologize, make amends, go to those people, ask for forgiveness for the hurt and the wounds you new caused in their life. Ask the Holy Spirit at this moment today who is it in my life that I that I need to ask you forgive for? And then ask God, who is it that I have not forgiven yet that I need to forgive? Ask Him those questions and, and write down those names before you forgive and go to those people. Verse 6, Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos to myself to illustrate what I have been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the Scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? That's what they were doing. They were kind of judging between these leaders who they like better, who they followed. Oh, I follow Paul. I follow Paul. He's the best. He's the greatest. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as if it were not a gift? And that, that's the same for me, for Apollos, for Paul, for any preacher that's ever lived and walked on this earth, what do I have that God hasn't given me, right? I'm just, I'm serving up his word. That's all I'm doing when we're here on a Sunday. That, that's all we're doing. We're going to serve up his word. And it doesn't mean that I'm more special, or this preacher over here is more special. All we're doing is trying to serve up the bread of life in the living life. It's the same for each of us in here. What do you have that God hasn't given you? You have been given grace. You've been called by name into his family. Verse 8, you think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. That's what these Corinthians thought. They thought they were above these guys. I wish you really were reigning already, but then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display. Like prisoners of war at the end of the victor's parade. That in Rome what they would do is uh, you didn't have like Twitter to know when the war was over. You, you didn't have like a newspaper over up and like. Oh, World War II ended. Oh, man, that's great. Like, Rome didn't happen. And so when they would send people off to to war, you didn't know the outcomes until you saw your army coming back. And then you had this same path they would march through Rome. And along this path, they would march their enemies at the very end of the parade to to just expose and to let people know, look, we've had victory over These people over this group. Paul's saying, instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of Victor's career. Condemned to die, we have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. In the world's eyes, we look like fools. The church. We look like fools in the eyes of the world. In fact, if you don't feel foolish sometimes trying to follow and listen to God's word, um, you're you're probably playing too safe. You're probably trying to blend in a little bit too much. You're probably trying to conform to the world more than you are to the word. Stop conforming to the world around us and conform to his word. Our dedication to Christ makes us like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. You claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. All oh, sarcastic here. Just so you know, this is sarcasm. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work warily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage. Like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. I think sometimes in the church we think we're above being treated by trash, right? Like, man, I'm above that. I don't deserve that. I'm a good person. And I, you know, I I gave my life to Jesus. I got baptized. I'm above that. I shouldn't have to go through hardship. I shouldn't have to go through any struggles. I shouldn't have to go through persecution. I I should just be loved and accepted by anyone and everyone I come into contact with. I'm above that. I, I, I don't deserve that. wasn't Paul's mindset. He was willing to be treated like trash to serve up the gospel message anywhere and everywhere he could to bring hope to people that are hopeless. To bring light into the darkness. And they just look like fools. But the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, when we are treated like world stars, like everybody's trash, right into the present moment. Verse 14 I'm not writing these things to shame you. All of us here today, he's not writing this to shame us. He doesn't want to shame us. He doesn't want to use shame as a weapon, but to warn you as my beloved children. Because he cares, he wants to warn us. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, You have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Imitate me because I love you and I care for you. Paul wanted them to know, I'm for you, I'm not against you. I'm for his kingdom, not my own. That's what Paul was doing. He was building God's kingdom, not his own. That's why I said, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child of the Lord, he will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you who have become arrogant, thinking, I will not visit you again. We're never going to see Paul again. We can do what we want, we can, we can live how we want to live. But I will come and soon if the Lord gets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches. Or whether they really have God's power. Whether they give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. I I hope and I pray that we're going to be a church that has God's power. I hope and I pray and I'm believing in that. That he is going to move and he's going to work in powerful ways. Because we choose to serve and love the people around us. We choose to live in revival. That's what revival is. Revival is a choice. It's not like a one time moment where man, I... I I had this great moment. I had this great experience. I felt revival. I gave my life to Jesus. And then that was it. I just kind of left revival there. Revival is a choice that we step into every day. We choose to walk in new life with Jesus. We choose to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit and God's word in our lives because there's freedom in that that the world cannot offer and the world cannot take away. Walk in that. Some of you you become arrogant thinking I will not visit you again, but I will come soon, the Lord lets me. And then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches, whether they really have lot of time. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of time. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of time. Let's not be about time. Let's be about action. Let's be about obedience. Let's be about living out his word in our lives and our families in the places we work, in the places we go every week, let us be about the power of God and living by that power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? He gives me the option there at the end. What's it going to be? Am I bringing a rod the next time I see you, or am I bringing a gentle and humble spirit? There's a lot of pride in this church. That's what he's really standing into this moment. There's a lot of pride and there's a lot of arrogance. That's why revival, it begins with repentance. And repentance is something we choose daily. It is something we choose and we acknowledge. God, I I don't have it all together. I know I've sinned against you. I know I've broken your word and I've broken your heart. But God, every time I sin, every time I fall, I turn back to you and I get up again and I choose to live in revival. Let's get ready to worship. You ready? I really believe he wants to move in your life in a new way. He wants to bring revival into your heart and into those around you. But it takes faith to step into that. It takes dying to yourself, dying to that pride. Dying to that care and that worry about the world around you and what the world thinks and what the world says about you. When you start to die to that, when that, when that God, that false God, that idol in our life about what the world thinks about us, would we knock that idol down? when we kill that idol in our life? It frees us to live in a way that we've never lived before. You can walk in that fruit. When you stop looking for the world to solve what's broken internally, and you start looking to his word and his truth and him to heal what is broken.